0: This is a word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. It's a tale as old as time, for horror movies anyway. The black guy dies first. But with the latest editions of horror classics like Scream and a new generation of horror movie makers, many black fans are hoping that cliche is dead and buried.
1: It's good that we have a lot more opportunities behind the camera, so now we can get more diverse stories out there regarding blackness. The sky's the limit.
0: Rewriting the Racial Script in Horror, coming up on A Word, with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. No matter how scary the times are in this country, nothing brings people out to the movie theaters like a good scare. For decades, African-American characters in horror films were fools, designated victims, or both. But a whole class of Black creatives is rewriting the script for horror, building on the work of African-American filmmakers who worked in the shadows to bring forth stories that frighten us and also honor our humanity. Joining us to talk about this is writer Mark H. Harris. He's co-author of the new book, The Black Guy Dies First, Black Horror Cinema from Fodder to Oscar. He's also the creator of BlackHorrorMovies.com. Mark Harris, welcome to A Word. Thanks for having me. I have to say this up front. I get the title. It's a cool title. But to be fair, black people die first in all sorts of movies. I mean, the black guy dies first in the action films. The black guy dies first in the pandemic films. One, why do you think this happens? And two, do you think this is something that's exclusive to white creators? Or is it just something that's just assumed that since we know the black character isn't going to be the focus of the story, it's okay for him or her to die first.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it does happen in other genres, like you said. Uh, I think it's kind of more uh, associated with horror because horror tends to have everyone die. in it, And so, you know, somebody's got to die first, and it's usually the black guy. So I think, you know, when we wrote the book, me and and my uh, co-author, Robin, we titled it that sort of, you know, because we know it's kind of a catchy thing that people think of when they think of Black people in horror movies, and we kind of used it as kind of a way to talk about the marginalization of Black characters, and, you know, because the The height of marginalization in a movie is to kill off the character. Killing off a character means, you know, this character is expendable. It's not, they're not the hero. They're not going to save the day. So that's kind of how uh, they're treated in horror and in other genres, like you're saying. So, and I do think it is a side effect of, of there being a lack of black creators behind the camera and behind the, um, you know, writing the scripts and that sort of thing. So I think it is traditionally, there has been white creators behind the camera, Uh, creating these stories so they tend to you know put the white characters in the lead they're the heroes they save the day and so the black characters if they're even there are kind of there as tokens they're kind of just you know we got to throw in a black person just for there to be one but we'll we'll bump them off early in the story and you know we'll do it we've done our part by that so
0: when i think of how the black person dies (laughs) especially in horror movies there's multiple ways right they are They're the sacrificial kill, right? Like at the beginning of the movie. Uh, They're the first person who gets killed in the movie theater like Scream. You know, they're the cab driver who's murdered by the new monster coming out of the sewer. And then you have these sort of evolved versions where the black guy dies in some horrible way so that the white guy's girlfriend can survive. Or the black guy, you know, uh, sacrifices himself for the white baby like in the Walking Dead series or whatever. You know, what are some of the common threads of how white filmmakers depicted black death in these movies. Is there the noble Negro death? Is there the sacrificial lamb death? Like what were the themes?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's strange to talk about, but there are kind of tears to deaths in, in horror movies. I mean, you can have like an opening scene death where it's just kind of a nameless character and they're just bumped off with cut in a matter-of-fact fashion that's kind of very you know dismissive. But you can have also deaths that, you know, happen at the end of the movie. The, the black character, like you said, might save the, uh, sacrifice themselves to save the main white character, that sort of thing. So that's in in horror terms, I suppose that's sort of an elevated death. Um, you could even have a movie like um, Event Horizon with Lawrence Fishburne, where he's actually really the hero. He's really the main character in the story, but he still does kill himself at the end to save everyone else. Or the same thing with uh, uh, I Am Legend with Will Smith, he, he kills himself and kind of saves the world, saves humanity, really. So, you know, there are different levels to the deaths. And we kind of touch on that a little bit in the book. In general, the fact that the black character typically dies, I mean, it does, again, kind of say that the white creators behind the camera tend to side with the white point of view. And so, they think of the black characters as expendable. So, I mean, I think, you know, Ideally, the black character will survive and save the day and be the heroes. That's kind of the the epitome of, of what we're kind of aiming for.
0: When did we start to see black filmmakers come into their own? When did we start to see black people making horror movies? And I assume at first centering ourselves, but I'm sure as time went on, you started having black filmmakers occasionally make horror films that weren't just exclusively about black people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, as with a lot of black film, I think the black exploitation era in the 70s was kind of the, the opening of the door in terms of uh, opportunity. So, Hollywood was kind of in a bit of a jam in terms of their box office receipts in the 70s. And so, they saw that black people went to movies and black people supported black movies. And they said, oh, this is a cash cow that we can ride. And so they gave a lot more opportunities to black stories in the 70s. So you had movies like Blackula, Ganja, and Hess, which were both directed by black directors. They're both vampire movies. They both had uh, some level of success. Well, Blackula definitely had a a great amount of success. You shall be Blackula. Blackula. The Black Avenger. (laughs) Rising from his tomb to fill the night with horror, Blackula, Dracula's soul brother, deadlier even than he. It was one of the early black exploitation movies, regardless of genre, and it really helped propel black exploitation. It kind of opened the door for other uh, films like Doctor Black. Mister Hyde was another one, it was from the same director as Blackula. Um, and like I said, Ganja and Hess, which kind of was greenlit basically because they thought they were going to get another Blackula, but the director Bill Gunn kind of hoodwinked them and, and and kind of did his own thing. He turned in a really artistic, kind of surreal story about vampirism, but kind of very symbolic and stuff. And and, and it was really the the distributors hated it and cut it down and edited it, and it basically was lost for several decades did the actual version until 21st century, basically. So, so the seventies was really like a time when black directors got involved uh, behind the scenes in terms of horror movies, but like everything, all the black exploitation movies in the seventies, kind of Hollywood kind of found another avenue to go to basically. So they kind of said, Oh, we've done the black exploitation thing for a while. They kind of moved on to blockbusters like Jaws and star Wars and that sort of thing, because they saw that black Audiences would turn out to those movies as well, so they're like, you know, if we can get blacks to come out to mainstream blockbusters, why do we need black exploitation? So black horror just really dried up throughout the whole the whole decade, and then it came back in the '90s with the kind of quote unquote urban cinema movement, where all genres kind of were given an opportunity from like you know, do the right thing to uh, menace to society, boys in the hood, all those types of movies kind of opened the door for horror to come in. So, we had black directors direct films like uh, Tales from the Hood, uh, Demon Knight with Jada Pinkett. And so, you know, there, there was a lot of uh, great advances in the 90s. But again, all these things are, are pretty cyclical. So, uh, I think Hollywood kind of moved on again. They decided, oh, we've done the black thing again. And so we'll move on to something else and so a lot of those directors didn't get another chance uh to prove their worth so um it really then didn't, didn't pick up again until you know jordan peele in, in 2017 with get out and he kind of spawned a whole new level for black horror and uh and so we're kind of still in that era right now but it's been about six years since jordan peele came out so um it, it, it we're kind of at a tipping point now where Hollywood could again decide, you know, oh, we've done the black horror thing. We'll, we'll move on to something else. So uh, so we'll see how it, how it turns out.
0: I must admit, I've seen Blackula. I've seen Scream, Blackula, Scream. I have never even heard of Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. I actually want to look that up now. I'd never heard of Ganja and Hess. If you look at those 70s era black horror films, what is one, maybe it's one of the ones you've mentioned already, what is one that you're like, you know what, you got to see this? What would be that key movie from the 70s?
1: I mean, I'm always partial to Blackula just because, you know, it is a good movie, I think. And it did, like I said, it was an early one that really established black exploitation, regardless of genre, as something that could be profitable. Um, So that's something that I would really recommend. There is another one that I would say... I don't know if it's something that's required watching, but it's something that's very interesting that uh, my co-author Robin always recommends. So I'll kind of speak for her. There's a movie called "Welcome Home, Brother Charles" that is sort of horror skewed. It's 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 kind of a revenge tale, but it's kind of got a horror angle where it's about basically a a black man who is framed by corrupt white cops and sent to jail and they abuse him, and um, they end up castrating him. But somehow he uses some sort of magic to elongate his uh, manhood. He grows it back, and he uses it to strangle the people who set him up. It's called Welcome Home, Brother Charles. (laughs)
0: We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more on the history of Black Horror. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: this is jason johnson host of a word slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else i want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners if you've discovered a word and like what you hear please subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and let us know what you think by writing us at a word at slate.com thank you You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about Black Horror in Film with writer Mark Harris. Mark, so in many ways, we've got this sort of golden age of Black Horror, right? You've mentioned that before. What's the difference between Black Horror now and Black Horror in the 70s? Obviously, production values are higher. So, you know, how are these these creative outputs today thematically different from the 70s?
1: Well, I'd say, you know, one... Important difference today is that there are a lot of more opportunities, I think, behind the scenes for, for Black creatives, And so you have something like Megan where it was written by a Black woman and it doesn't really have any Black characters in it. So I think um, because of the increased opportunities behind the camera, there are there's uh, increased diversity in front of the character in terms of storytelling. There might be some stories that revolve around race. There might be some that don't. You know, so there's a lot more diversity, I would say, in terms of the types of storytelling. In the 70s, I think the stories really tended to be, you know, more black specific. But I think they also had a lot of social commentary that has, has continued today with like Jordan Peele's uh, Get Out specifically and, and things, those like that, where I think there's always been kind of a recurring thread through most black horror in terms of commenting on, you know, race or police police brutality, things like that, that, that affect the black community. So I think that is something that has been kind of a constant, but nowadays with the Black Lives Matter movement and that sort of thing. I think it's really become so prevalent in society as a whole that it's bled into cinema. And so cinema naturally reflects, you know, what's going on in our lives. So I think that um, it has become a little more prominent and it's become a little more expected in black horror nowadays to, to kind of comment on this thing. And Get Out kind of set the precedent, like I said, it set the bar. So I think a lot of black horror nowadays is kind of expected to be the next Get Out. It's expected to say, something deep about uh, race. But, you know, I don't think we should always just strive to be the next get out. I think we, like I said, we have diverse storytellers, we have diverse stories, blackness can't be, you know, defined by just this one story and get out. So I think it's good that we have a lot more opportunities behind the camera. So now we can get more diverse uh, stories out there regarding blackness. The the sky's the limit in terms of if, if we get keep getting opportunities to tell stories from a black point of view, we can have a myriad of, of stories.
0: There has always been, even from the eighties, there's always been an element of comedy and a lot of horror movies. Like, you know, Freddy Krueger would say funny one-liners and, you know, Chucky in the late eighties, early nineties would have a funny one-liner, you know, scream had, a lot of laughs in it. And then in the 90s through the 2000s, you had the scary movie series, which are ostensibly black movies because they were always sort of centered around kind of main black characters all the way up to Get Out. So I want to play this clip, which kind of plays on the comedy element of Get Out and get your thoughts on the other side. That's Dre. Dre. Andre Hayworth. Used to kick it with Veronica.
1: Veronica from
0: what? Teresa's sister that worked at the movie theater on Eighth.
1: Is him. Is him. But wait, 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 wait. This is so fucking crazy. Yo, he's different. No shit. Why is he dressed like that? It's not that. It's everything. He came to the party with a white woman like 30 years old now.
0: Sex slave! Oh shit! Chris, you gotta get the fuck up out of there, man. You in some eye wide shut situation. Leave, motherfucker! Yo, you gonna be a... Hello? Chris! Oh, Oh shit, his battery must have fucking died. When you see comedy in a black horror film, how is that different from the comedy that you have in white horror films?
1: Well, I think uh the history of of comedy in horror as it relates to black people is a little, you know, fraught with some um troubles, I guess. I think we have to go back to kind of like the the 1930s and 40s where the black character in horror movies and specifically horror comedies was kind of the spook character. Who's basically whose role is to run away and to kind of express the fear that the audience is supposed to feel at, at these uh, monsters and ghosts and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's kind of embodied in, 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 uh, Mantan Moreland's, uh, characters typically in a lot of the movies he did. So I think there's, there's some history we have to consider when we talk about, uh, comedy, black comedy and horror. And so that has kind of been the hurdle to overcome when it comes to white creatives behind the camera, creating these stories with black characters in, in these movies. And, and typically, you know, the the black character is there to kind of just say, you know, I'm scared, you know, I'm, I'm going this other way. And it's kind of evolved from more of a um, passive docile nature when in Mantan Moreland's time to kind of more of an aggressive nature. Nowadays, they, they might, you know, might be more of a, a hipper character who's you know who's just going to say f that I'm not going over there you know that kind of thing. So, but it's still underneath is still kind of the spook concept where they're scared they don't want to be involved with anything and so they're going to head the other way. And and it's it's kind of a double edged sword because you know it's troublesome. Like I said, when you look back at the Mantan Moreland characters and that sort of thing. But on the other hand, you. You can say that these characters are the most realistic in terms of, you know, if you really were in this position, would you go investigate the scary sound in the woods? You know, no, you'd probably go the other way. So they are actually the most logical and most realistic characters probably. Um, and I think that really epitomizes the difference between a Black directed film, Black written film versus a white film, which would be more kind of the character would be more buffoonish, we would kind of be laughing at them.
0: Talk a little bit about the importance of black audiences when it comes to the sort of collective film experience, because it is both is both a charming and negative stereotype that if you go to a majority black theater in certain urban areas, folks going to be talking. Uh, They're going to be talking at the they're going to be talking at the screen. I I think of the old Fuji's video where they're all throwing popcorn or whatever it is. It's it's this it's this rowdy, almost vaudevillian experience um how does that play a role in how african americans as a culture consume horror films the collective screams the collective don't you know don't do that don't go in there how does that play a role
1: well i mean i think horror of all the genres horror might be considered the most communal in nature in terms of you know not only you know on one side you have like the fandom like the horror is kind of the the redheaded stepchild of, of movies it's it's never recognized for anything so when you have people who are fans of it they kind of seek each other out and they form this community and then on the other hand you also have it's a communal viewing experience so i think you know people go to horror movies to scream to to maybe laugh at the characters or that sort of thing so i think it really feeds into the whole uh african-american communal nature of viewing things so um i think it really goes hand in hand and i think it's something that you know if you if you watch a black horror movie with a black audience i think you really get the sense of how uh invested they are and and i think that they are smart enough to know you know if a movie is really speaking to them and speaking for them, that sort of thing. So I think there was a good response to a movie like Get Out versus some other, you know, previous, you know, white directed horror movies. So, um, I think it really, you know, it really feeds into, to, to like I said, the, the whole communal nature of, of the African-American view and experience.
0: We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more about the rise of Black horror films with writer Mark Harris. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned.
3: Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to Slate.com slash Amicus Live for tickets.
0: You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today we're talking about the history and future of Black Horror with Mark Harris. So, Mark, this is something that I noticed starting in the 80s and I thought about this with the movie Alien. The first Alien is a horror film. It's a suspense film that takes place in outer space. The genre changing Alien movie is Aliens the sequel, which is kind of an action horror film. And and when I think of the the sort of the sort of progeny of Aliens, I think of movies like Resident Evil. And the fact that a lot of horror sort of became action films, because I guess people were tired of just watching someone live in fear the whole time. It's like, no, damn it. I'm going to buy my gun. And I'm going to fight back. Do you think that the merging of action and horror sort of opened up the door for Black people to have different kinds of roles? Did that merging of genres help or harm uh, the sort of lifespan and the, the humanity of Black characters in, in these movies?
1: Uh, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought about that, but I mean, I think you could say that it would, it helped them. I mean, although, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the black guy does die early in horror movies or I mean in action movies too. So it, it, it ostensibly wouldn't necessarily help that much, but I think if you think about it, I think, you know, <laughs> uh, Hollywood might be more, uh, Prone to uh, have a black character with a gun. <laughs> I mean, I think their 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 views of black characters might be like, oh, he he clearly he'll have a gun and we'll just you know he'll just shoot shoot it up. So I think you know it. it there is something to be said about that. I mean, we do have you know action hi- uh, horror hybrids like Blade and the superhero movies like that. There is sort of the stereotype of the you know the black male machismo that you know. Let's put them in an action movie, clearly, like, uh, you know, uh, Carl Weathers in Predator, too. So um, it's something to be said about that, I think. Yeah.
0: So another part of this that's really interesting to me is this idea of it, it's an extension of the, the argument against, quote unquote, slave movies, right? We've had this conversation for the last six and seven years, black social media, black public intellectuals. Oh, we're tired of movies about slavery. But you do have this conversation since Get Out that people are saying, Hey, you know, I don't want trauma porn. Why can't I just have, you know, an invasion of the body snatchers with black people? Why can't I just have, you know, this sort of thing? Do you think that that is a problem in black horror now? Do you think that it, it spends too much time mining in existing racial traumas? Or do you think that just makes sense, given the fact that like, hey, if you want people to be afraid of something, what's what's more terrifying to me? You know, escaping a sundown town and Lovecraft country or a green alien, you know, making its way through my ears. One of these things is much more likely to happen.
1: I think it can be an issue if it's a case where a movie is just intentionally just going for the next get out you know it's kind of forcing sort of this social commentary or this racial uh innuendo in the story when it doesn't necessarily need to be there you know there are plenty of stories to tell that some may have you know racial commentary some may not we really need a a balance we need a diversity of storytelling we have some that are have a lot of import in their messaging some might just be a shallow slasher movie where people just get hacked up for 90 minutes you know so I think that's something that needs to be balanced out. I think it's, I mean, I don't think it's, we're at a point now where it's it's over the top one way or the other. I just think that there continue needs to continue to be some more opportunities behind the camera for people to tell stories. I think, you know, there are always going to be people in the audience who, um, regardless of what the story is, if they see a Black character being killed or or hurt, that it's going to trigger something in terms of uh, racial memory and memories of you know George Floyd and that sort of thing. So it's not for everyone, but for the people who who are into it, I think we just need to have a wide variety of storytelling from every viewpoint. What would it take
0: to have a great black horror icon? I can say. Uh, Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. I can say Chucky from the Child's Play films. I can say the alien from Aliens. I can talk about uh Jason Voorhees, right? I can talk about Ghostface. You know, we have iconic, scary characters, but they're all white, right? There, there's no iconic black horror character. And even Blackula sort of resists his name, because he knows his name, is, is almost an insult. He'd rather be called Prince Mamualde, right? So knowing what you know about the genre, the future of horror is dependent on coming up with that black horror character that, like, that's going to get 12 different movies, right? What do you think a, a black horror icon would look like? What do you think that character would, would be that would tap into sort of our zeitgeist, but also be something franchisable, I guess, for lack of a better word?
1: Right now, it seems like Jordan Peele would be the primary candidate to to create it because, I mean, I think the mainstream is really opening up to his voice and will eat up whatever he says. So, I mean, I think if he were to create something, uh, some sort of character that would really strike a spark, I mean, I think for me, his character Red in in Us is really, should be iconic.
2: Upon a time,
1: there was a girl and the girl had a shadow. The two were connected. Lupita and in that movie deserved an Oscar nomination. It struck all the chords for me, but you know, I'm not you know apparently part of the mainstream, so I don't know what what their tastes are in terms of that goes. But I mean, I think he would be a prime candidate to create something that would strike a chord. I wouldn't want to think that just because a character is black, it could never achieve that level of notoriety of of a of Dracula or Frankenstein, but it might be that case, you know, in America, you know, where we are, it might be something like that, where it's really, we're fighting an uphill battle as far as recognition goes. But uh, but we'll see. Uh, who knows what he'll come up with next.
0: You've had this long-term interest in horror. Your Twitter handle is Blackula. If you're talking to an audience member right now who's saying, dude, none of this stuff makes any sense to me, how would you make the argument to them that horror is just as much an important part of their sort of cinematic diet as action or drama or suspense.
1: Horror kind of reflects the anxieties of society. It reflects our fears. And so it's really useful to look at to see a snapshot of the time in which they released. I mean, you can look back at movies like all the giant mutant animal movies of the 50s that kind of reflected the fears of nuclear war. You can look back at movies like The Stepford Wives in the 70s that kind of reflected thoughts about the woman's place in the workplace and, and the household. Um, you can look at movies like Dawn of the Dead and Stuff, the stuff that talked about consumerism. So I think horror movies really are often very metaphorical in nature. I think the monsters and the creatures often represent something deeper. They kind of reflect what our society is fearing, so, I think they're really useful in that way to, to kind of get a snapshot of what people really think and what is really going on in the world.
0: Mark Harris is the co author of the new book, The Black Guy Dies First Black Horror Cinema from Fodder to Oscar, and the creator of blackhorrormovies.com. Mark Harris, thanks so much for joining me on a word. Thank you. And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Operations for Podcasts. Alicia Montgomery is the Vice President of Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for a word.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hi, I'm Josh Levine. My podcast, The Queen, tells the story of Linda Taylor. She was a con artist, a kidnapper, and maybe even a murderer. She was also given the title The Welfare Queen, and her story was used by Ronald Reagan to justify slashing aid to the poor. Now, it's time to hear her real story. Over the course of four episodes, you'll find out what was done to Linda Taylor, what she did to others, and what was done in her name.
0: The the great lesson of this, uh, for me, is that people will come to their own conclusions based on what their prejudices are.
1: Subscribe to The Queen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now.